Hello, you're listening to the Christian Life Issues for Today podcast. We've been doing a series out of Your Family, God's Way, and in particular, developing and sustaining relationships in the home or in the family. Recently, we've been talking about various aspects of communication. Jay Adams says, in reference to the family, communication comes first, meaning, of course, that it's very important. Just this morning, I heard of a woman who was seeking a divorce from her marriage because her husband was not communicating effectively. Well, today we deal with a subject that is listed in my book, Your Family, God's Way, Chapter 7, Enough is Enough, Too Much is Too Much. Well, contrary to the old saying, you can get too much of a good thing. Sleep, rest, and relaxation are good things, but of the person who overindulges in any of them, Scripture asks, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Such a person responds, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. But Scripture warns him, Your poverty will come like a vagabond, and your need like an armed man. That's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Food is also a good thing, but eating too much food can also cause some very serious problems. According to Scripture, the glutton will come to poverty. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21. Many good things become destructive when they are overdone. Even communication in the home, when it's overdone, can become destructive. The Bible often indicates that what I'm calling overtalk can be a destructive matter. When there are many words, the Bible says, there become the problem. He who despises his neighbor talks sense, nonsense, but a man of understanding keeps quiet. That's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 23. Scripture encourages us not to be involved in overtalk. We are involved in overtalk by performing that a prudent man conceals knowledge. In other words, he doesn't just keep on talking. He might know more than he talks about. And I mean that he just has empty words. The Bible says, but a man of understanding keeps silent. So the Bible encourages us to be careful about overtalk. It says, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. A fool just keeps on talking, even when he doesn't have anything worthwhile to say. Clearly, 
the fool has an open mouth policy and is constantly talking. Proverbs chapter 17 offers several thoughts and insights into the destructive nature of what I'm calling overtalk. According to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 and 28, he who restrains his words has knowledge. That's a wise thing to do. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Earlier in Proverbs chapter 17, Overtalk is charged with destroying good relationships. He who repeats the matter, the Bible says, separates intimate friends. He breaks up friendships when he talks too much. Overtalk can destroy friendships, can hinder marriages, and cause parent-child relationships to deteriorate. As the writer of Ecclesiastes said, there's a time to speak, there's a time to keep silent. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 7. People who want to build their families God's way must know what, when, and how much to speak. Now some of the previously cited verses imply that certain people have a propensity to dominate conversations. Any verbal instruction with them becomes a monologue. When someone asks a question, they're the first and often the only person to give an answer. They find listening to other people extremely difficult. Often an undertalker, or what I called in a previous podcast, small talk, and an overtalker will initially attract each other and become married. So you have an overtalker who marries an undertalker, the undertalker marries the overtalker, and uh, uh, they uh, are drawn to one another. Now, at first... This seems like a good arrangement. The undertalker needs not to try to overcome his lack of uh, conversation because the overtalker does the talking. The overtalker can do all the talking he wants if he's paired up with an undertalker. But then the glitter wears off. And the quiet person either tunes the other person out or becomes resentful that the conversation is so one-sided. On out-and-out basis, they become resentful that the conversation is so one-sided. The person is overwhelmed and the dominated spouse, the undertalker, finds it difficult to respect the 
dominator or the overtalker, and a sense of alienation may result. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 22 describes a second form of overtalk. It says, the words of a whisperer, which means gossip, are like denny morsels. The whisperer in this verse is someone who doesn't want certain people to hear what he's saying because he's spreading rumors or slandering someone else. He's afraid to speak out loud or to the person about whom he is whispering or gossiping. Sometimes family members gossip about other family members. Husbands or wives may speak evil of their mates to their children, their parents, their siblings, or their friends in an attempt to win sympathy or approval. Perhaps upset by something their mates are or aren't doing, they tell other people how terribly they're being treated. Often, under the guise of wanting prayer or counsel, they tell them about how hard it is to be involved with someone who is an over-talker. They want sympathy, they want agreement, they want approval. Now, I'm not speaking here about the legitimate sharing of information, of family problems. When um, biblical attempts have been made to resolve the difficulties and have failed, the person's motive for sharing at that point may be a sincere desire to get help, not to slander the other person. The person shares only with others to furnish the godly counseling, to receive godly counseling that will improve the relationship. And the information shared may be helpful to others as a preventative, protective, or restorative way. This kind of sharing isn't gossip and is commended by the Word of God in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 and 16, or Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 22. The Bible encourages the issue of sharing for the purpose of getting help and getting counsel. Proverbs 18 and verse 17 also speaks to this issue, as does Proverbs 11 and verse 14, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15, and Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Unfortunately, many individuals share information about other family members in a way that does not meet biblical criteria and eventually what goes around comes around the person's 
mate or child or parent learns that evil reports are being spread about him and he then feels betrayed. His confidence in the offending family member is strained. He now wonders if he can trust the other person and he begins to um, really feel betrayed. Actually, this then becomes gossip. And when gossip isn't dealt with biblically, it can destroy relationships. When I was much younger, a wise individual warned me about a person who was sharing some juicy tidbits with me. Wayne, remember that the dog that will bring a bone will carry a bone as well. People who carry gossip to you will often carry gossip about you as well and give other people that gossip. At first, you may think you're privileged at having this person share private information with you. Later, you discover that you have been had because you find out that this same person has been spreading evil reports about you to other people. Even if that doesn't happen, you find out that what began as a dainty morsel, which is referred to in Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 22, that which began as a dainty morsel ends up being distasteful and repulsive. Because of indwelling sin, more often people enjoy a bit of gossip. It seems so pleasant to hear those nasty things about other people that make us look good and them look bad. But those nasty things about other people that seem so delicious at one point in reality are very dangerous because gossip, according to the Bible, goes down into the innermost parts of the body. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 22. In other words, it stays with you and it affects you in a negative way. It gets deep within us and affects us from the inside out. Evil reports are heard, but they may still affect our attitudes toward people Years later, the scripture says, good news puts fat on the bones. You have a person who's emaciated. It's like uh, feeding them good food, only it's bad food that you're feeding him in the form of gossip. And it makes the heart glad at first, 
as Proverbs, the 12th chapter and verse 25 says, but continuous bad news has the opposite effect of destroying you. It saddens the heart and gnaws at an individual on the inside and it begins to hinder relationships. Gossip can tear apart the home. Proverbs chapter 26 gives us a humorous and realistic word picture of a kind of overtalk. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 through 16, and also Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 13. I suggest you look up those verses in particular. We are told about a man who isn't working. He's not going anywhere or doing anything. He's even neglecting areas of responsibility, which are his responsibility. He's failing to do certain things that the scriptures indicate must be done. It says, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the gossip on his bed. He buries his hand in the dish. He's weary of bringing it to his mouth again. That's Proverbs chapter 26, verses 14 and 15. What possible reason can this man give for being so expressive and then for being listless? He buries his hand in the dish and doesn't even bring it to his mouth. How will he answer those who ask him, why are you so listless? Why aren't you going out there and working? Will this man acknowledge that he doesn't want to work? Will he admit that he's lazy? This man is wiser, the Bible says, in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Proverbs 26 and verse 16. He can and does justify whatever he does. As far as he's concerned, all his ways are clean in his own sight. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2. He thinks he is totally justified in what he is doing or not doing. It says, though seven men may charge him with an indiscretion, and five times God may and does call him a sluggard. In Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 through 16. But he knows better than God. He knows better than godly counselors. When rebuked for his laziness, he offers his defense. 
There's a lion in the road, a lion in the open square. That's Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. Never mind that no one else has seen this imaginary lion. Never mind that other people have gone to work without being attacked. Never mind that lions aren't usually spending their time on the open road or in the middle of a town. Derek Kidner says that this man will be the last to see his own features. As far as he's concerned, he's not a shirker, but a wise person. As far as he's concerned, he's not self-indulgent. He's just below his best in the morning. And his inertia is an objection to being hustled. His mental indolence is shocking to other wise people. Here we have a classic example of overtalk in the form of defensive, self-justifying speech. Regrettably, defensiveness and excuse-making are frequently practiced in families today. Wives do it when a husband asks them to do something, and husbands do it as well. They would like their wives to make certain things, and the wife gives a lot of reasons for not changing. Do that if you would be their response. I'll do that if you, with all the pressures I have on me, how can you expect me to do thus and such? Since you don't give me the help that I need, you're being overbearing and too hard on me. You never show appreciation, so it's no wonder that I don't do the things that you want me to do. Husbands who practice defensiveness with their wives also do that kind of thing. A husband can make his wife feel like a bad person for even asking him to help her in some way. They say, you're unreasonable for wanting me to do what you're asking me to do. What about all the good things I do for you? Why do you always have to find fault? You're just too emotional. It's probably that time of month again anyway. I think everything is fine the way it is. Why can't you ever be satisfied? compared to the way he treats his wife, you should be happy. I know of so-and-so, look at the way he treats his wife. I'm much better than that woman is. You should be happy and satisfied. How can you say 
I don't love you. I don't beat you. I've never been unfaithful. I try to provide for you. I make breakfast, lunch, and dinner for you. Why can't you get through your head that all I'm trying to do is... And so the wife becomes very defensive, and of course the husband can do it in his realm as well. They practice self-justification and excuse-making. Another form of overtalk is what I call takeover speech. You're having a conversation and suddenly the other person interrupts. Wait a minute. You were wrong about some of the details of what you were discussing. And you missed some important facts. Let me fill in the gaps. And so the person not only fills in the details, but goes on to finish the story. He wants the privilege of giving the punchline and basking in the resultant laughter at what has been said. When that goes on constantly in husband-wife relationships or parent-child relationships, it can be the soil in which resentment, bitterness, and frustration develop. Certainly, non-stop or what I call motor mouth speech is a kind of overtalk that hinders relationships. The book of Proverbs speaks of certain people who babble. That's in Proverbs, the 10th chapter. Some people are just like a spring. Words pour forth from their mouths in a never-ending flow. For a short while, it may be interesting to hear what they have to say, and even amusing to have a mother who has a motor mouth or a father or a child with motor mouth. They just keep talking. But before long, the inane conversation can become a source of irritation. Scripture warns us of the danger of this kind of talk in two ways. First, it calls the person who practices it a fool. That's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8 and verse 10. And then Scripture also says that this person will be thrown down. Note that the text doesn't merely say that he will fall down. It says he will be thrown down. Disaster, defeat, rejection, and humiliation will be his portion or her portion. Disaster, defeat, rejection, and humiliation will be that person's portion. These consequences may occur in any area of life, economic, occupational, 
emotional, scholastic, spiritual, social, or familial. When I think of these verses about overtalk, motor mouth kind of thing, I'll call a certain person Jim. He comes to mind when he and his wife came for counseling because they were experiencing severe marital conflict. Both were professing Christians, but they were fighting like cats and dogs. Actually, this man did most of the fighting. He was openly aggressive. His wife usually protested, and then she retreated, withdrawing passively on the outside while standing firm on the inside. From the time they entered my office for counseling, Jim's mouth gushed with words. I never knew him to be really silent as he came for counseling. Not surprisingly, his wife was a very quiet person who very seldom opened her mouth or gave her opinion in a counseling session. I directed Jim's attention to these verses that I've just quoted, and I asked him what he thought it meant to babble. They talk about a babbling mouth. At first he was evasive, but finally he gave a good description of what it means to be and to have a babbling mouth. I invited him to give a description. I invited his interpretation of being thrown down. What do you think it means to be thrown down? And then Jim began to laugh. When I asked him why he was laughing, he responded, that's what's happened to me. I've been a babbling fool and I've been thrown down. My marriage is a disaster. My wife has rejected me. She won't even read the Bible with me or pray with me. Our sex life is non-existent. She treats me like I'm an enemy. My children don't care about me. None of them pays much attention to me and they're certainly not interested in spiritual things. One of my children has been on drugs and the other has no purpose or direction in life. That verse about a babbling fool being thrown down describes what happened to me. I've been thrown down and so it has happened with many other people. So overtalk comes in the form of a babbling mouth. It also comes in the form of what I call badgering. Particularly as he badgers in the home. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9 may be describing this practice when it says, he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Think of the person who gets on a topic and never gets off. He has one theme, and he badgers 
you about it repeatedly. Such a person thinks that persistent harassing is a way to get other people to agree. Initially, and may seem to get results, but eventually it becomes very offensive and destructive. This conversational procedure causes the person to go away from him. Proverbs 26 and verse 27. He just runs on at the mouth. He takes over in the conversation and the other person just gives up and walks away. There's another form of overtalk. It's what we could call situational overtalk. This is the overtalk to which I am most prone. In general, I'm not a motor mouth. Chit-chat is something I have to make myself do. But there are certain topics on which I have done a lot of study and had a great deal of experience. So whenever these topics come up, I'm tempted to be very easily prone to be an over-talker. I violate the biblical teaching that a prudent man conceals knowledge. If you're wise, you don't tell everything you know. You conceal knowledge. But the heart of fools proclaims folly. That's Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 23. Occasionally, with my wife and children, I may act imprudently and in error and proclaim folly because when I get on a certain topic, I can talk a lot about that and I I can take over in the conversation. And in that particular situation, I say too much or I take too long to say it. The result is that I do not give my wife or children the opportunity to share their thoughts. I've either already said what they might have said, and so they retreat into a haven of silence. When I act this way, I'm guilty of overtalk. And if this were to happen on a regular basis, I would be hindering the personal growth of other family members and the development of family relations. Well, I thank God that he has helped me to understand that I do that sometime. And so we've worked out a little system with my wife. And when she thinks I'm over-talking, there's a way that she can let me know that I'm talking too much, even though what I'm saying may have some value. So overtalk comes in the form of situational overtalk, where you talk about things in a voluminous way, things that you know something about. And you don't give other people an opportunity to share their perspectives.